Mother Earth is psychedelic. Her body is covered with psychoactive, sacred medicine. Can psychedelics help us become more conscious and loving parents, partners, lovers, and leaders? Welcome to the Psychedelic Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Carlin, the Psychedelic Mom, a mother and entrepreneur partnering with Mother Earth's sacred plant medicines to heal, awaken, and learn to live in alignment to my truth. Psychedelic literally means soul revealing. What reveals the soul to oneself is psychedelic. I invite you to join me in deep conversations with leaders, healers, seekers, and other parents. I will share my journey, the wisdom, practices, medicines, and mistakes that have changed my life, and personal stories of others on this wild path. We are the medicine needed to birth the more beautiful world we know is possible. Welcome to today's episode of the Psychedelic Mom Podcast. I'm so excited to be here today with another psychedelic mom, Elizabeth Bass. Elizabeth, you are the co-founder of Soul Centro in a Boga retreat center in Costa Rica that you co-founded with your husband, Choi Boogie, who is a Buiti Nima and visionary artist. And you have been to Gabon many times and you really have dove deeply into the tradition of the Buiti and the Buiti ways of knowing. You're a twice certified trauma-informed yoga teacher, and you're also uh, certified through Being True to You, which is a transformational coach training program for psychedelic integration and helping people with addiction and transformation. Thank you so much. I'm so excited and grateful to be here in this conversation with you, Michaela. Me too. Aboka has been such an important medicine on my path, and I've never gone to Gabon, so I've always been fascinated by it. I'm a little intimidated by the initiatory rites that you have been through, and um, you have been given a name. What is that name? My Buiti name is Mbeyi, and that means the river, and it really is that's who I am in my essence of my being as a river. And so my whole life I get to study the wisdom and the teachings of the river to better understand myself. So for someone who doesn't understand, or even myself, who gives you that name and how is that name chosen? That name was delivered in a ceremony in Africa, in the temple, when I was filled with medicine and, and I knew we would be getting our names. I didn't know how that would be. I didn't know if it would be an African-sounding name. I didn't know who would give it to me. And they asked me when I was in the temple on the mat, trembling from so much medicine, said, what is your name? And before there was a word, my whole body arched and undulated, and I felt a river inside of me. And all I said was river. All I said was river, and immediately they're like, oh, yeah, Mbeyi. It's a very important name. Well, they're all important names. Everyone's name is very, very important because imagine really like how important were rivers before plumbing our cups, bringing life to people. Right. It's the bloodline. 
That's what I'm here to do. So how did you get introduced to a boga? And if you could tell us a little bit about this medicine and why it's so important to you. Well, I never went looking for it. <laughs> <I'll> tell you <laughs> that. <laughs> no, not at all. So a decade ago, the love of my life, who Chor, who I had been with for six years at that point, confessed to me that he had a heroin relapse, uh, amongst other things. And in that moment, you know, and he was sober when I met him. He was a very spiritual being. And in that moment, the the first thought in my mind was, well, this is over. You know, that was the first thought in my mind. Like, I'm not that person. <laughs> I'm not going to be that, you know, I'm not going to be that one. And then immediately, there was a brief pause, and immediately there were three words that my soul could hear. And it was pray, wait, listen in a very clear Isabel voice that I now recognize completely as the spirit of Iboga. And I thought that was interesting. And I slept on it because for me, when something happens that is devastating or I don't know what to do, I enter a space of not knowing what to do first, of being intimate with mystery. And so the next day I was walking in nature, which is my church, which is where I, I can hear myself. And we were in Marin in the Northern California woods. And I remember still the owl I was listening to and looking at the red Japanese maple leaf tree. And as if from a loudspeaker from deep below me, I hear this, Iboga! <laughs> and I was totally caught off guard. I was like, what? And then again, Iboga! And I'm like, what's going on? Like, as if it was an answer that was seeking us. And in that moment, I couldn't remember how I'd heard about it or how I knew it was going to be good for us. I didn't even, I couldn't even recall exactly if it was good for addiction or opioids or anything. I didn't, I wasn't looking for it. Right. And in retrospect, I think I, read it in a book like maybe a decade earlier and totally forgot about it and thought, I'll never do that. <laughs> that sounds really weird and intense. <laughs> like, you know, since then I credit the other medicines for helping me get to the point where I could hear that message, like Mother Ayahuasca and the sacred mushrooms and San Pedro that I had experienced before that moment to clean me up enough. And also my mother and the way I was raised with plants. So we went home and I researched it, which at that time was terrifying, you know, reading about all these adverse events and, and coming to look deeper and read research and realize there's a lot of people out there that don't know how to hold this medicine. And even with traditional providers, when you're dealing with people from the West, you have a whole other set of contraindicated drugs, drug histories, medical histories, medical conditions that they don't even see over there mostly. So it really requires a careful, careful container and qualified people. So at first, Tor was very terrified, but also intrigued. And I could very much, I see now, hear his ancestors, which is a kind of gift that I have sometimes. I'm so grateful for it. So I could hear his ancestors in very specific points. And then we made it here. And, and I thought, you know, I don't know anything, but I'm going to get him that far. So we found a traditional provider in Costa Rica uh, that was from Gabon, who worked with a medical doctor who specialized in detox. But also, the more I learned about the medicine, 
the more I was called from my history in uh, complex PTSD. And so it very much called me. I was there for my business. I was not there for his business, which is very important always with medicine. So was your first journey together? It was side by side. And the healer said, tonight you're divorced. <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Tomorrow, if you want to be married again, we'll see. I mean, and we weren't married at that time, but it's just the way that he said it. Interesting. So what happened that night? What happened that night for me was navigating the hell realms from the Bardo, from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, for 12 hours of all of the most gruesome, bizarre things in my consciousness that I've ever seen or imagined. It was like the Olympics of meditation. It really was like in an obstacle course of the Bardo at a thousand miles an hour. It was so overwhelming. When I woke up, my first thought in my mind was, I wonder if I can make a polite excuse never to do this again. <laughs> but then the next message, uh -huh. thanks to the grace of the medicine and my soul, said, no, you're here to receive all of the medicine that's being offered to you. Because that was just the first layer of scrub to make clean the temple to deliver the goods. And for him... He didn't have a big visionary experience, very mild, but he had a detox, which happens sometimes before people get the beautiful treasures Iboga's really here to give us beyond detox. And he saw the spirit of addiction, his addiction, and he defeated it. And he woke up in the morning. And, you know, when I could barely recognize him the night before, Michaela, the next day I could see his soul again in his eyes. And his eyes were clear. And he got up and he said, I love my life. Is that not the root of all healing? And he said, I never want to disrespect myself again. And then he was marveling at the beauty of the earth as if it was for the first time. That was our first journey. Wow. But he came pre-toxed. I got to say, he didn't come in hot, like with a needle in his arm. And I feel that that actually leads to better, safer, more integrated outcomes. When people do preliminary detox first, which I helped him with, with infrared sauna and wachuma layers first. Wow. So he came in sacrificing his withdrawals to the medicine and the medicine gave him more. Whew. So then what was the second night like? Well, between those two ceremonies, I learned about a lot of, a lot of torrid things that he did <laughs> when he was not well because really it was a possession and we must remember that with the spirit of addiction, it is a possession of an entity, which we know very well now. So I was really upset. But we went in, and we both had visions of us getting married, which was something that we were like, you know, we loved each other, we weren't in a hurry, like whatever, like whatevs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll but we both had visions of a wedding. And they were very different visions, but they were both a wedding. Mine was like Disney. <laughs> like, which I don't care about at all. It's right. a typical wedding, you know. His was African and really interesting things. And then, and we also saw our vision. We saw where we are right now. We saw Soul Centro. We saw our baby who didn't come for six years, which I thought, well, maybe, well, that was metaphorical. And we saw all of it, and the medicine told me, okay, he is healed. The question is, are you going to relate to him as the healed person, or are you going to be addicted to your resentments and relate to him to the person he was, which will take him back in a way which can affect, can influence 
him going back to that person. Like I needed to embrace this radically 24 hour healed person in the face of, you know, I was very addicted to resentments. It was my favorite thing before I boga. Well, you had just found out too the things you probably had layers of new truth revealed during a boga that you could have been resentful for and you had a choice, I guess, a choice point. And in my first journey, I was purging like someone who was coming off drugs. And I realized that was all the toxic biochemicals accumulated in my tissues through the nature of my thoughts. And I really was habitually addicted to resentments, which was blocking my creativity. So I had to be willing to change. And it took a lot of practice. But this really is the ultimate mind medicine. And I did the practice and continue to do the practice. So a lot of people speak about different medicines, mushrooms in the United States or MDMA or peyote. Aboga is talked about often in the Ibogaine as far as um, addiction. But why would somebody want to do aboga? Mm, I love this question because sometimes I talk about this medicine and immediately people say, oh, well, you know, I, I'm not addicted to anything. So I don't need that. And well, first off, everybody's addicted to things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even if it's thoughts. Although those, those are the worst. They're the most insidious. People can be addicted to blame and worry and fear and rage and like jealousy and like all these things, you know, all these thoughts. It's interesting because my first aboga journey, I had no idea what to expect. I have no idea how that medicine called me and how I ended up there. Truly, no idea. And the day after I took a boga, I felt like a junkie. It was bizarre. And I had no idea why, because I didn't have an addiction. But what I realized was I was addicted to pleasing others and keeping others happy. And I was like watching myself, how I maneuvered to stay safe by putting other people's desires and needs over mine. And I literally felt like a junkie. It was the strangest feeling I had ever had. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it really does take two or sometimes even three ceremonies for people to have a breakthrough. And thank you for sharing that with me. And everyone is addicted to things. And this is the deepest detox layer or detox agent on planet earth, without a doubt. And we all, you know, don't realize how much our thoughts are taking a toll on the biochemicals that we manufacture. Talk about a chemical imbalance, like that's the real one. Uh, And I want to touch on what, circle back, you know, why would anyone want to do Iboga? So one, everyone is addicted. Let's start there. But more than that, that's just the first thing that Iboga takes care of with its pinky finger to take us to what it's really here to give. And it can help us with the deepest trauma healing, but it takes participation and practice and willingness to let go of those entities that serve people, sometimes the entities that are honed through many generations. You know, we see people wrestle with those. It's very interesting, and we see when they leave. And so beyond that, the trauma healing, you have holistic wellness. So one of the traditional functions of the medicine that's utilized in a very specific modality, don't try this at home, you know, it's a very specific modality of asking questions to the medicine in a journey space. And people can ask questions about their wellness, about their perfect diet, their perfect lifestyle, and 
what can motivate them to have the perfect diet and perfect lifestyle. And that's really interesting too. And we're all different. We all have a different diet. We all have a different lifestyle. We need to stop outsourcing our expertise. We've been in train since day one. Listen to the doctor, listen to the shrink, listen to all these people. And it's good to get expert advice when you listen to yourself first, right? And so all this entrainment to seek what we need to do with ourselves from other people. So it helps us find that sovereign intelligence for our bodies. No one knows our body like we do. Yes, we can. once we know what we need, we can find the experts to help us with that decision. And then beyond that, my favorite cherry on top is soul-aligned visionary creativity. And this is when the temple is so clean that the mind becomes a continuous servant of the soul and we're using it as the divine instrument that it was meant to be instead of this problem child that haunts people. We can come into our highest faculties as human beings with the support and guidance of this master teacher. And not only that, I mean, if you look at the neuroregenerative effects of this, like there's a study launching at Stanford with a researcher helping to heal traumatic brain injury from veterans who are having these remarkable outcomes. And by the way, Vets Inc., it's a beautiful nonprofit started by Amber and Marcus Capone. And she shared this public story where with me where he could barely decorate a Christmas tree. And he went to Ibogaine, and as she says, he was back. So this neuroregenerative effects, think about what this does for a very well climate change scientist. Mm-hmm. Okay, you see where we're going with that? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Because it's looking at things through a completely different lens. Yes, and soul aligned, connected to the intelligence of the ecosystem. And that is what this medicine is here to gift us. Solutions. We need some solutions right now, huh? Yeah, some big solutions aligned to the rhythms of earth, the rhythms of our soul to truth. One of the Buiti's favorite words, basse, basse. Yes, truth. I agree. Truth. Yeah. So what would you say, this Buiti way of knowing, let's talk about that a little bit. Yes. So in the West, we are completely dominated by the intellect and that's our value system that there is no higher way of knowing than the intellect the rational mind right (laughs) but how do they know uh, an apothecary of 5,000 plants without any laboratory let's talk about that right so when I was in Africa they started to train me in some of these things and what it took is not having a head full of books It took being deeply intimate with the ecosystem, trekking for long hours in the jungle, studying plants, tasting things, smelling things, giving offerings to things, and then getting filled up with the iboga medicine, going into the temple, and they had me scan 20 people in the room. So what that means is like, for lack of a better word, x-ray vision, right? Like where you are scanning people, you prescribe and diagnose. And what happened was one of the most remarkable paradigm shifts in my life where I realized I had to not only not have a set of books in my head, my head had to be completely empty, like a vessel 
a spotless vessel to receive these transmissions for others. And that took three years by that point. Three trip, that was my third trip to Africa to clean the temple, clean the temple, clean the temple a thousand times a day. And that allowed me to do that. So the emptiness and seeing pictures of plants and solutions for people and all of these things, the question is who's ready to listen, right? The question is who wants the advice? And so I'm very careful with working with people like, okay, you know, who wants the advice? I don't, I don't, I'm not here to waste my energy anymore. <laughs> From people pleasing, recovering people pleaser here. So it's aligning to what's your sovereign truth and what other people are ready to hear and know in their life. Because even Chore had to choose to go get help for the heroin addiction. You know, a lot of people out there love somebody who's addicted. And my heart goes out to you wherever you are right now listening to this. That is the most painful, riveting torture. Some empathic people will feel it more than the other person. You know, it's so painful. It's so hard. And I learned we cannot save anyone. We can only offer opportunities for people to save themselves. And every single day, what got me through that very hard period of relapse, which was also brought PTSD to me, dealing with someone who was possessed and, and relapsing a few times before we got there, and always worried about him. Like, I almost had a heart attack every time he went in the bathroom, you know? And what got me through that was praying every day and not knowing and not having a manual and not listening to anybody tell me what to do. Oh, you should leave him, or you should do this, or you should do that. Listening to spirit every day, being guided by spirit, listening to the ancestors every day, not knowing every day was different. To be present, to be deeply, deeply present. And that's how I made it through that as someone supporting someone in addiction and practicing releasing my attachments to how I thought he should heal. How many years later was it that you married? And was the wedding a Disney wedding or a jungle wedding? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Um, six months later, we went to Africa for the first time. And for Chor, as uh, an African-American man, or as he would say, an African in America, he felt a deep homecoming. Ooh. He felt a deep homecoming. And by the way, in that first journey, I met his ancestors in our very first journey in Costa Rica. And it was like being at the Super Bowl. It was like being at the Super Bowl. They're like, yeah, you made it home, son. You made it. Yeah. Wow. You're doing it. And I felt them all around us like a choir. So, and the message was, this is your lineage for him. And so when we went back to Africa, I keep saying we went back because it's home for everybody, really, but more home for him. It's his, gra it's his grandmother's house, you know, if you know what I mean. So we went back to Africa and it was such a homecoming for him. He's like, I am home. And then later, his dad did his paternal DNA. He is straight Iboga territory. He is Central West Africa all the way. Yeah, and a, a little bit, um, you know, he's also Italian and some other things, but that is his home. And if you see his teacher now, Grandmaster Binana Kanganga, He's definitely a relative. <laughs> like, he's definitely a relative, of course. That's amazing. And that's where we got married, and we had a very traditional Gabonese Buiti wedding. 
a very beautiful ceremony where we both had our adopted families there. It was beautiful clothing, beautiful ritual, beautiful dancing. And he had to present my father with a chicken for the royal chicken. I, I was I'm the royal chicken. So he had to buy the me. The royal chicken he, river. And it wasn't like he was buying me. He had to supply like a dowry, you know, to show like he can share abundance and give lots of like money and fabric and things to everybody. And then they had a big party. But it was hard because that first trip to Africa, we were covered in infected bug bites. It was really, really, really rough. And since then, we have really dialed it in. That was a question that I have. As a Westerner going to Gabon, who might want to get initiated or experience Iboga there, how difficult is it? Well, first, let me say our first trip to Africa was a thousand times different from our third. And that's why for many, many reasons, including the request of our elders, that if people have this idea that they want to go to Africa, they need to come and see us at Soul Centro first. If they're from the West, if they've never spent epic amounts of time in the bush in Africa, they need to go there first for very deep screening because the call to go to Africa, if you're not from there, comes from the medicine firsthand. So we have a process of a Bwiti screening and also preparation, cultural preparation, getting that first introduction to the tradition. And what we want to avoid is people going to Africa and completely short-circuiting from not only the environment, the climate, the powerful culture, which is so different from our Western ways. There is nothing trauma-informed there, I will tell you that. You know, <laughs> so it's a huge difference. It's, that's where I was went through the rite of passage. And so we need to see, like, people need to see, like, okay, is this, and by the way, we are trauma-informed at Soul Central, but, you know, it's a different thing. So preparing people to go there and who's going to behave with the elders. And in, additionally, we need to do decolonizing work with people. This is huge. There's so much unconscious bias that we need to identify and so much structure from white supremacy, which is really the spirit of oppression. So we have to go through all this and then people get the green light to go to Africa, right? And so since then, since that first trip where we had no screens on the windows, we didn't know how to protect ourselves well from the bugs. We were covered in infected bites. Tor's head blew up from an allergic reaction. Like it was really hard. The village, our teacher's village, now where we are, we have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into beautiful structures, actually nicer than some of the structures we have here in Costa Rica, <laughs> like beautiful, safe structures that a snake isn't going to get into or an elephant isn't going to walk through uh, or a tree can fall on, you know, safe structures because normally it's like ramshackle houses. And so we built these beautiful houses that they also wanted. That's where all the reciprocity comes from. Relationship, not check writing. So we built these beautiful houses with running water. We have electricity, Wi-Fi, water wells, solar's coming. And in great thanks to our dear, dear art patron, Wes Carter, who's a visionary entrepreneur in the field of sustainable, like actually sustainable packaging at Atlantic Packaging. He's just absolutely incredible. So built um, these beautiful structures that make it possible for Westerners to come and have a safe place to be. We have all the gear lists. We have all the essential oil lists to protect people from bugs. We go at the best time of year where there's not as many bugs. We've never had anybody get malaria. Wow. So we're very dialed in. We have security. Like we have 
everything dialed in as good as it can be dialed in in Gabon. <laughs> Transportation, food, initiation, all the things so people can come and have a deep experience and, and be safe at the same time. So it's a lot if people go at once for the, still the culture, the environment, and the most powerful medicine on earth, I feel. You know, it's good to, okay, come to Costa Rica first. You're a little closer to home. You got your cell phone. Like, build a relationship with the medicine here first. So let's switch gears a little bit here into motherhood and what it is like to now serve this medicine and what has all of this taught you about motherhood and vice versa? So first off, I have two children by birth and one extra child that I love so much. So my older son is 25 years old and he's married and uh, living his life and such a beautiful young man. And Altoria has a son who's 26 years old uh, who is living his life. Caesar, he's so wonderful. Yeah, he's training as an Olympic weightlifter and doing incredible work. And then we have a two and a half year old <laughs> that came from the medicine. And I want to say that through my relationship with Iboga, I was so guided and cared for in my relationship with a teenage son who was navigating some difficult things as we all do in teen years, you know, terrifying for me as a mother, some of it. Some of it, you know, just my personal experience that absolutely heart-stoppingly terrifying things. And the iboga medicine guided me fully. Yes, it can. I think as a mother, whenever your child is going through something, through something difficult, and you have no idea outcomes, so terrifying. Oh, yeah. And, and being okay to practice not knowing. And when you have a teenager who's becoming an adult, what they need to do is hear the voice of their own soul to be directed. And once he's 18, oh, <laughs> they're on the loose. <laughs> and all these hormones and this crazy toxic culture we're in and all of these things, a digital world that like hijacks minds, you know, these young impressionable minds with AI now. Oh, terrifying. Were they growing up in Costa Rica or in the States? No, at that point, we only moved to the Costa Rica right before I gave birth. This was in California, and it was so hard. I was so worried. And Iboga, I remember the journey when I'm praying with Iboga. I'm like, what do I do? And I, I can't stop giving advice to him. And I can't stop giving advice, trying to manage and control and protect and get hysterical and all these things. And Iboga said three words. It's so, it's such a, a man of few words for me, a lot. And it said, trust. And immediately I felt the frequency of trust, moving from trust and not waiting for trust until everything is perfect from the outside in. Trust and love. And I felt the love pouring from deep within me, not the idea of love, but actual love. And then the last word, the last word Iboga said was, watch. And the way that it said it, because it's such a showboat, you know, it's such a, it's such a kitschy, proud, rightfully so, brilliant genius medicine. And so it said, watch. And I had to take a journey. And then I had to practice those things, which was the hardest thing in the world for someone who's totally addicted to worrying about other people. I can be addicted to worrying about other people's addictions if I don't keep myself in check. 
So I had to practice and, and I was given the instruction to build him an ancestor altar. And I became very intimate with all of his ancestors. And, his, and then you look at his ancestors, my older son, conquistador, freed slave, and people from all over the world, different ancestors from, that have been at war, Native American colonizer are all in that boy. And I got to know them all and I prayed, I talked to them every day. Instead of crying on my son's doorstep, I would talk to them every day and shake the rattle and tap the stones and make offerings and tend that thing like, go teach him! Because I couldn't. You know, go help him, go protect him, because I couldn't. And that allowed me to be in deep surrender. And then at a point I gifted it to him, I showed it to him so that he could understand where he came from. Wow. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Oh my God, a beautiful healing, a beautiful, beautiful healing. And not to say, you know, some people won't make it too. And you know what? That's really hard and painful on the street level view. And on the eagle eye view, everyone is in their own medicine journey of life and their own medicine journey of death, which is the ultimate medicine journey of all that we must surrender. Some people won't know what life means until they're on their deathbed. And that's a beautiful teaching. And it's at the same time, and I say this very carefully because the pain is like having your heart ripped out of your body if you lose somebody. And at the same time, everyone is in their own medicine journey of life and learning in their own ways. And, and just to stop fucking trying to manage and control people, share our own experience, ask people what they think about certain resources, and just be present and love. And allow people to hear the voice of their own wisdom inquire instead of trying to give it to people for them. Well, you were talking about the resonance of love and trust. I think that's a big gift of the medicine to be able to feel that within, that alone, right? When you're stirred up and your head's going, to just come back to what that actually feels like in the body, what the resonance of love is. And now you know the resonance of addiction whether it's your mind going and you can actually feel, you can feel it hack you and then come back to center. So how else would you say that being informed by the Bwiti ways of knowing has informed your motherhood? Aha, uh -huh, yes. And so there's the little one, right? So the little one, I prayed every day for a natural home birth and open to whatever needed to happen. And all birth is sacred. Whatever kind of birth a woman wants is sacred. I was praying for because my first birth was extremely traumatic, two-month early cesarean. So I was really praying every single day for a safe, natural ceremony home birth. And that's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah, in here in Costa Rica, and I had a beautiful midwife and a beautiful OBGYN who specialized in natural home birth and homeopathy and my son crowned to Buiti music. Wow. It, and that's warrior music. And I was able to labor in the tub. And it was the medicine, the whole pregnancy, which by the way, pregnant women have medicine in their not massive doses, but, but medicine in their pregnancy. And just think what the neural regenerative effects do for a fetus. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I had a ceremony, I had my ancestor altar, had all the midwife, herbalist, queen women in my lineage and my mother who gave home birth to me, her face in bliss in front of me. That was my destination. That was my destination. And the Iboga medicine helped me to prepare for my birth. And it helped me so much moving through pain like no other medicine. And to me, childbirth is the ultimate medicine ceremony and death 
But childbirth, I felt like I was on a quadruple dose of iboga, set on fire, being struck by lightning and being split down the middle all at once, right? And it was the ultimate rite of passage. It was the ultimate yoga. The, and I had a choice in those moments of screaming at the top of my lungs or just saying, thank you, ancestors, talking to my ancestors. I am strong. I can do this. Deciding how we will orientate ourselves to the pain of life. Is it expansive? Is it contractive? So Iboga taught me how to navigate childbirth. And I got my son out in a beautiful freight train, rhythmic 10 hours of labor. And Whoa, what a warrior. Now, did you have a little aboga, a low dose of aboga? No, I knew that was going to be enough. I knew that it was going to be perfect. And by the way, I just want to offer to women very carefully, like in your very first trimester, that is a very sensitive time to not have medicine because everything is forming in that time, you know? And, and I can't say for sure, like maybe a microdose is safe. I don't know. But for me, my intuition was to back off of almost every herb except for like chamomile, peppermint, nettle, you know, the really humble herbs, Tulsi, through the first trimester. So I was utilizing medicine after that. But none in my birth, none in my birth. It was, it was enough. And I credit Iboga for teaching me more about the intelligence of my body. The intelligence of, again, like everyone's going to tell you how to breastfeed, when to breastfeed, where to sleep with your baby you know, how to discipline your baby, how all these <laughs> discipline, you know, how, how, how to discipline your, your toddler or your children are like, thank you, Iboga, the manual I need. So what did it teach you? To be present, to be not just present in your mind, present with every sense, my full body, present with my womb, present with my breasts, present with every, with my heart, the intelligence of my heart. That's what knows what to do in every moment and to connect with love and not with frustration and I think I still get frustrated once in a while but to uh, respond and sometimes he really needs the breast and sometimes he doesn't you know sometimes in the middle of the night when I'm weaning him off night breastfeeding like oh like he really needs to nurse for some reason maybe it's a toothache you know because it's anesthetic maybe it's for his immune system being deeply full body present and listening to my soul so what we do in the buiti one of the primary purposes of Iboga is to deeply reconnect people to their soul. And this is through ritual and the guided journey process and the whole thing. You know, there's many aspects of the Buiti. The soul is everything. The soul knows everything you need for happiness, fulfillment, inner love, outer love, your purpose, your passion, your vision. It helps me in our business. Oh, does it? It has lots to do with human affairs. It's very interested. So the soul has all these answers. Most people have so much noise pollution, which comes from generations of trauma, that they can't hear it. So we help not only all the neurological effects, physiological effects, deep cleansing can help, but at the end of the day, it's a soul, and the soul will help you as a parent. The soul knows how you need to parent your unique soul of a child. And how to see their soul and connect with their soul. Because how they learn how to connect with their soul, so we don't repeat all these generations of trauma, is if the parent connects to the soul of the child and listens to the soul of the child and is interested in the soul of the child and the unique intelligence they've never seen before in the history of Earth. It's quite a journey. I'm in awe. I did not have a home birth. I'm in awe at 
that process, the bravery of the physical birthing without any medicine. It's awesome. And you know, bless every birth. I had to surrender to the help of Western medicine for my first son to live. Hallelujah. And much respect to all the women. I have friends who plan a home birth, and you know what? That's not what happens. They have to be present. And I've had very good experiences. Some, sometimes people feel safer in a hospital. It's like, what does a woman want? Let the woman be supported to listen to herself. I think more of that, too. I think one of the things that iboga and these other plant medicines do, in particular, for well, for all of us, return us to that truth within, that soul within that can then guide our lives. And to look at, you've mentioned the ancestors many times and going to the ancestors and generational trauma. I think one of the things that Aboga as a teacher is, is really, as you said, with Amber and her husband, it was like she saw him for the first time. And same with your husband, after the day of medicine, it was like you saw his soul back in his eyes. And I think one of the beauties of Iboga is that reset back to our original nature. And then we have to choose where we go from there. But healing that ancestral trauma is no joke. Ah, oh, Basi. Oh, man. I mean, okay, here's an example, okay? Listen to this. Like, we have a cute dog here. He's an Australian shepherd. His ancestors were entrained to nip the heels of sheep. Nobody ever taught him how to do that. He's never seen another dog do it. It was such a pain to train him to stop doing that. Like he would run around and nip people's heels. He like bit our nanny, you know, like nip, 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 nip. It was so annoying. It was such a deep training process of both positive and negative feedback, you know, where that is what happens in our epigenetic expression that we carry all of the memories of our ancestors in our body. And now science has caught up with indigenous wisdom again on the field of epigenetics. And it, it takes a lot for everyone to unravel, even with the help of Iboga. It's not a one and done. It's the beginning of practice. It's the beginning of practice within a container of community support and excellent framework. So how many times have you done Iboga? I can't count. <laughs> but, you know, I've had a lot of big journeys between here and Africa. And more than that, a lot of, of microdosing with the medicine. In the, in the past few years, I actually haven't had a, a massive deep journey since I was pregnant because my, my son, he, he still needs me at night a lot. And I can't be debilitated yet. I don't feel comfortable yet. I'll know when. But Microdosing is not to be underestimated. And actually, you have to listen closer to the whisper, and which has helps me a lot in my counseling and all the things that I do here at Soul Centro. But with that said, please don't microdose iboga to people out there unless you are a steward of the medicine initiated. And that's my request. And that is the request of our elders that this is um, a cultural heritage medicine. You know, we're sitting in a really delicate place right now with sustainability. I just want to say this, like little side note. It, it is being overharvested. It is being pimped on the black web or dark web. I, you know what? I don't want to say dark web. The underground web, okay? Get away from colonized language. The underground web that is harmful. It, it can come from elephant poachers. It can be adulterated with other, other medicines. Yes, it's been tested to be the wrong cardiotoxic plant. Be careful. 
what's just as important as the medicine that we receive is the web of relationships holding it. A hundred percent. And so go to find your way in a good way to go to Africa, to be in relationship with elders, and then see about stewarding medicine. And also to understand the mile-long laundry list of contraindications and a ton of very serious herbal contraindications to do your full medical screening, even for microdosing, it can drop the heart rate too low for people if they have low heart rate, like all these kinds of things. You know, liver issues, kidney issues, like all these things, please don't microdose. And plus, people find themselves in deep water all the time. Like you, you need a guide. And the indigenous people have such an intimacy with the spirit of this medicine that's been honed over eons of many generations of love. Yeah. Really important thing to highlight, the poaching of a boga. I think I interviewed Blessings of the Forest recently, and they said 80% of the aboga coming out of Gabon has been poached. And just the need to really respect all of these medicines and how we take them and if we take them and the ways in which we take care of the communities, as you talked about, the reciprocity, to be in true alignment with the medicines, the medicine keepers, the the tradition, the Bwiti people, so incredibly important. I haven't heard that yet, so I think that's an interesting message not to microdose with a boga unless you've actually gone to Gabon and experienced the elders. Yeah, thanks for that wisdom. And you know, Westerners, they don't like to wait for things. They're used to being able to buy something off a shelf because they can, because they're entitled. They want to prime a boga for microdosing. <laughs> Let's slow down. The reason why I'm sitting here talking about this medicine is because I have been entrusted and given permission. That's why I have been called by the stewards and my life is dedicated to being in reciprocity. So that's why. It's a lot, I know. Like it is, it is um, a big role to have and a big, beautiful calling that you have. You know, I have such respect for the depths of which I know without going that you have gone just with a couple of journeys with a boga, but your calling to be a steward of this medicine for Westerners is a big calling. And that didn't come from me either. That came from the medicine. I mean, for real, you know, <laughs> the medicine told me, you know, this, this was a very slow, integrated, humble years and years of apprenticeship before we stepped up to serving on our own. How would you say that being a mother relates to being a sacred medicine guide? Seeing people through the eyes of Divine Mother. Mm. Seeing everyone as a divine child of Creator God. Seeing and having that care and protectiveness for every being in our care. For being able to have that level, that depth of dedication, like as women... We are life givers. We have food connected to our body. You know, we sustain life. We can tap into that aspect of the divine feminine mother. And being a mother awakens us to the divine mother within ourselves. Being able to see people in that way. And everyone, I see everyone that comes through these doors as a treasure trove of wonder. Like, that's why I'm really here. Not just to, like, get a five-star review or whatever. No, I am so excited because we need solutions. We need magic on this planet right now. And everybody is a treasure trove when they get healed and they heal their ancestors and their ancestors get happy. Look out. 
I I get so excited. I get a sense for people before they come here. I'm like, oh, let's let's load that one up full of rocket fuel and see what they do and then learn from them. It's not just like I'm the teacher and they're the supplicant. It's like, no, I'm here to get excited about the wisdom they have that nobody's ever seen before and to learn from them. And even when people are not healed yet, they have wisdom. Like sitting in a circle together and everyone's voice is important in the traditional Bwiti fire talk of the oral tradition. Everybody has wisdom to share and encouraging that wisdom and being a student of that wisdom as well. Everyone's greatest teacher is themselves. So I, if they listen, if they know how to connect to the soul, so that's, that's why it relates, you know, being a mother is, and, and that's the way I look at my son. I don't want to mold him into me. He can do whatever he wants with his life. Like, I want to listen to the intelligence of what's in him that we've never seen before. There's also that reciprocal relationship with mother, child, client, medicine, woman, as you were just talking about. It's not a one-way relationship. It really is a union of learning from them, learning from you. It's um, almost like a circle of, of learning. It's a circle of learning. It's a community. And you don't get me wrong, there's very specific roles in the Buiti of leadership and mentorship. And my husband kisses the feet of his teacher. <laughs> but above all, there is reverence for choice and sovereignty. There's also mysteries. It's a mystery school. You know, you, you've got to earn your way up to those mysteries and behave and be respectful and be dedicated and diligent. But everyone has choice. The Buiti Temple has three walls and one is an open wall. And that wall means that anyone can come at any time and anyone can go at any time. Sovereignty is sacred. People can come and receive and go back to their life. It's not a cult. You know, it's the opposite of a cult. In fact, it's like... <laughs> pushing people into their sovereignty. And like one beautiful guest, Melva, whose ancestors were from Gabon, who has an amazing story that you may want to hear <laughs> about what happened here. But she said, this is not a spirit that wants to take your power. This is a spirit that wants to introduce you to the power of your own spirit. And that's what the Buiti is about. Um, I can imagine the shifts on the planet if... Just that alone, if we connect to the depths of our soul, and then, as you said, the creativity that comes, the connection that comes, amazing. Basi, we all have a small and important part. Well, you just mentioned this one person. I'm curious, for all the years that you have been serving now Iboga, what have you learned and what do you see? Besides miracles. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of miracles with your participation. We have a, a slogan here, Soul Centro, where all your dreams come true with your full participation. And then the tagline is, you'll thank us later because this is a very challenging medicine. This is a very challenging, uncomfortable, confrontational medicine at first, at first. Iboga has taught me to face my fears. Not to move away from fear, to move toward fear, to get curious, to sniff it, to wonder what initiation is under that fear, what strength is under that fear, to find the spiritual warrior within myself like no other medicine, to be dancing in the jungle of life, enjoying, to find the power in my own body. Oh, that Bwiti dance, that Bwiti music, <laughs> 
That's medicine. That's medicine to be shaking the hips like that. Like it's a very powerful form of qigong, especially for women. The women's dance activates our power to find the power and wisdom and intelligence in my body, to find like all the things I mentioned, connecting to nature, to be guided by nature, to learn the buiti, to learn directly from nature. Every single thing in nature is a master teacher. Look around, the hummingbird, the tree, the clouds, the sun. Study the sacred qualities of everything around us. These are the spirits that we don't worship, we are in relationship with that we make offerings to, it has helped me to know the depths of self-love and self-compassion where everybody wants to help people, right? We have to start helping ourselves fully before we can help others. That's where all of the juice comes from. We want to be honeypot spilling over with nectar. We can't be running around starving trying to feed people. To start within tending my own wellness, prioritizing my own wellness, my own self-care above all. And that is where everything good starts. And my own relationship every day with the altar and my spirituality first. Those are some of the things. And what do I see? We sit at a precipice as human beings in our consciousness evolution. And I see the very good potential that we can not only come into harmony with nature, we can come into synergy with nature where we are giving back, where we are taking our rightful place as human beings as the supreme steward of the planet Earth. That's what we were meant to do in every indigenous tradition. They are stewards. They take care of the forest. They balance the ecosystem. We can do that. We're sitting at a choice, this precipice, where we have patriarchal cultures that have been without grounded medicine culture for a few thousand years. And it's become very toxic and very oppressive and very unbalanced and overly intellectualized, right? And it's become about power and money and dominance and extraction and all of these things. Look what happens when we don't have medicine in the mix of human beings and culture. So I see the potential that yes, medicine can spread. Will medicine save the world? Depends on every person. Every person has a part to play. Nobody's Neo. Everybody's Neo. Everybody, and wake up in the morning and know that you have medicine to give. Like, even if it's a smile to someone on the street, will have ripple effects, butterfly effects beyond your wildest imagination into the 20th generation forward. So please take your role very seriously, whoever you are. Every small piece matters. We are in it together. And even from this conversation, ripple effects. It's happening. It can happen. Don't doubt. There is no time for doubt. We are mothers here. Every time someone gives me that nihilistic bullshit, I'm like, I'm a mother. Don't even say that. I don't have time for that shit. There is no time for doubt. And it is possible to live without self-doubt, living in a current of listening to the soul. Mm. There is no time for doubt. It is a waste of my time. It is a waste of your time. Listen to the soul. That's what I see. So beautiful. And we can alchemize that doubt. We can take those vibrations that show up as human beings, whether it's doubt or fear, and through the soul, through truth, alchemize them as you were just speaking. I mean, we have almost the inversion of truth in our culture. Basi, we have so much delusion. We have so much distraction. Stop scrolling. Focus. We're at an amazing time. I love the power of I am a mother. 
I am a mother. Don't waste my time with doubt. <laughs> Don't waste my time with solipsism and a nihilism. And we have a choice. We're in a choice point in the world. And maybe many generations have felt like this, but we really do all need to return and do our part, whatever that is. Bessie, thank you, Michaela. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for the work that you're putting into the world for raising three sons who have a powerful mother who will go out and do amazing work in the world. Yeah, for doing the work. I'd love to come to Soul Centro. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my joy. It's my incredible privilege and honor to serve great souls that come here to serve great souls, to listen to the medicine with every word that I speak. I'm so honored and grateful to the Buiti people for the eons of stewardship and everything you had to endure to keep the prayer alive through colonization and slavery. I'm so honored and privileged to be an active part of balancing the spirit of oppression for all beings, to be a servant of the people whose birthright it is for this medicine. I'm so honored and grateful and humbled with it's hard to put into words and I'm so honored to be sitting here with you and I'm so grateful for all of your work Michaela I'm so grateful for everything you had to move through and experience that called you to this path thank you for transmuting suffering into medicine thank you for your attention to detail and by the way all those people pleasing skills are also the fundamental energy of that is attention to detail and being able to read people, and we don't want to pathologize anything. Every liability is also a superpower. So I'm here to support all of that. Definitely, because you can turn that into care. When you're sovereign and you care from others, it's a very different thing than someone who's caring from others from a place of wounding. But your prayer is so beautiful. And um, I want to say thank you, honestly, for the work that you do for teaching me more about the Buiti ways of knowing, for the strength that you have, for being a mother, for holding this powerful, powerful medicine on the planet, and for carrying this lineage to Western people. It's so important. It's such a gift. Such an honor to be here with you. One, one more thank you. I want to say one more thank you that is coming through. Thank you to my great husband, Chor Boogie. Niangu is his Buiti name. He is the medicine of the strong burning sun. I am so grateful to him for supporting me in my wisdom and empowerment and sovereignty. I'm so grateful for everything, his immaculate 300% dedication to this tradition and the love of his teacher, to his reverence and integrity with how he holds this tradition. He is big medicine. He is the strongest man I've ever met in my life, and I love him, and I'm so grateful for all the work that he's done to heal his ancestors. Thank you, Nyangu. Right there, the gift of a boga. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's show and want to help build a more beautiful, conscious, and loving world, please share this content with friends, family, and colleagues. You can follow this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use And I'd really appreciate you taking the time to write a review so that others can find these amazing conversations. And if you'd like to see a video version of the show, you can find me on YouTube. Feel free to reach out and connect with me at thepsychedelicmom.com or message me on Instagram at thepsychedelicmom. And remember, you are the medicine.